If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! And hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 94 of the Yappin' Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on May 2nd, 2021. (coughs) Voice is a little raspy right now. Yappin' Yankees, guys, is being brought to you by, obviously, myself, And Ball 9. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. They got any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like Yapping Yankees, and much more. Visit the website. I promise you, you'll be glad that you did. That's Ball9.com. And follow them on all social medias at Ball9. And know what you don't know. And because they still help to spread the word every week about the show on social media, be sure to also check out Grunt Talks MLB. Do yourselves a favor and go to their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their great baseball content, and follow them on all social medias at grunttalksmlb. Also, don't forget, guys, that just like them, you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees and stay updated on everything with both me and and the Yankees by following me on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. And remember to subscribe and listen to Yapping Yankees. Show it some love on all of the platforms it's available on. That's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Dear God in heaven, guys, it is May. (laughs) What in the world is happening to the time? Well, I guess the same thing as always. It's flying. (laughs) But with the arrival of May comes month two of the 2021 season already. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we know the 162-game season is a long one. But nevertheless, it still always just flies right by. And we're already in month two. But a lot's happened in this May. First off, tomorrow the 3rd is also my little brother Thomas's 17th birthday. I love you to death, Thomas. Happy birthday, kid. Uh, the alternate sites are finally going away. <laughs> With the start of the minor league season in just two days on the 4th. That's very good. And also on that day, it's being said that that will be Voight's first minor league game. So he'll be getting his first piece of action in-game on the 4th with the Somerset Patriots in AA. And along with that, they also mentioned that he could be returning to the Yankees on May 11th for the start of their road trip. I love that. I cannot wait for Luke to come back. You got Memorial Day at the end of the month. Britain still expected to come back when he's reactivated from the IL on the 31st. And also in just a week, we've got Mother's Day. 
which actually leads me to the announcement I want to tell you about quickly. So, Mother's Day, next Sunday. As you could probably imagine, like many of you probably do, I have plans with my amazing mother, who you hear in the social media segment every week. And I'm not going to be able to do the show. But don't worry, don't panic, relax, relax, take a deep breath. (laughs) I'm going to do the same thing that I did with Palm Sunday and Easter. I'm going to be recording this coming Saturday instead, and then I'll be releasing the episode on Sunday, as usual. But I'll be recording Saturday the 8th, and then the episode will drop on Mother's Day the 9th, on Sunday, as I usually do. You get it? Got it? Good. I knew you would. I believe in you. Okay, today's show got a lot on the table, as always. I mean, it's seldom a slow show, not only during the season, but just about ever. (laughs) And today is no different, after having a week full of ups and downs. A team in the Yankees coming into this weekend, leading the American League in overall ERA, and as of yesterday, also led in bullpen ERA, as the bullpen continues to be terrific. A team that still wins in most of the games they homer in, which, as we said last week, the home runs have definitely returned, and they continued this past week. But... But, 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 on the other hand, still unbelievably fundamentally flawed running the bases and time and time again, just do basic things that you learn in Little League not to do and doesn't score as many runs as they should at times. Did I basically sum up this team well inside of 30-ish seconds, more or less? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, a week of ups and downs as we head into the month of May. And in this episode, guys, there will be happiness, and there will also be rants, which I know so many of you love. And as per usual, we're going to hit on everything. The Talkman trade, this past week's roster moves, an injury out in the bullpen just announced yesterday, the Aaron Judge controversy, the major takeaways from this past week's games, how much I still can't stomach the mere sight of Tyler Wade, (laughs) everything. But before we get to all of that, we obviously have our social media segment up first as always. And you know something? For a lot of weeks in a row now, we've had a poll and we've done open-ended questions and polls a lot more than this. And I decided to go back to this for a week, switch it up a little bit. I decided to make the social media segment a Q&A this week. So instead of me asking the question and you answer and give me your thoughts, now this week it's time for you to ask me the questions, and I will give you my answers. And I really like doing Q&As, personally. I think they're really fun. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read out 10 questions that I've chosen at random from Twitter. And then when we go to Instagram, we'll just try to get through as many as we can. Usually the bulk of the interaction obviously comes from my Twitter because I have a much bigger following there. But you guys know I still like to include Instagram in on things. I think it's still a decent social media platform, so why not? So for Twitter, I'm going to read 10 selected at random, and then on Instagram, I'll just go on the fly and just read a few maybe. So let's waste no further time. Let's get right to the Q&A and hear your questions. Let's start with Twitter. First question of the day belongs to my friend Spencer, who's at I actually got help with by Spencer after last week's episode when I was having a little difficulty with how to pronounce it. So it's at MusicianMDMD. And Spencer asks, 
What's your stand on the value or meaning of New York Yankees wins versus teams like Baltimore and Detroit? I mean, it's just as much value as any other win, (laughs) right? I mean, it's a 162-game season, and I always preach that no matter who it's against, a win is a win. Any team or any individual player, especially a starting pitcher when you're talking about individually, can go out there and have either a great day or a horrible day, no matter who they're facing. I mean, that's just part of the long 162-game marathon. I mean, you could go out there and have a great day or a bad day against anybody, no matter who it is, and no matter how good you yourself as an individual or team are. You know what I mean? So, I mean, those who try to downplay Yankees wins, whether it be Baltimore or Detroit or another team that's not necessarily as good as the Yankees talent-wise, I mean, what are the Yankees supposed to do? Go out there and lose against them on purpose? (laughs) I think at that point, you're just dealing with the sourpuss because no matter what the Yankees do, it's not good enough. So <laughs> I don't really get that logic. So to me, a win is a win, no matter who it's against. You still got to go out there and play the other team full of major leaguers and still beat them. And obviously, it's a bigger deal when you beat teams who are more talented. I'm not denying that. But to me, a value of a win or a loss, no matter when it is in the regular season, it's still a lot to me. <laughs> you still have to go out there and beat the other team. All right, let's keep on going because I want to be able to fit in all 10 that I selected. And if there is even more time, I'll look at the time where we're at once we're done with 10 questions. And if we got a lot more time, then we'll maybe fit in a couple of more. So let's keep going. Up next is at CRKSIN, Mr. Perfect One. <laughs> That's quite a handle. And they ask, with Voight back at the end of May, how do you see them fitting in Odor? Or is he the odd man out? He's been the signing of the year, so valuable for us. But I know it's DJ's spot unless you play him at third. Voight will need his at-bats, so playing DJ as much at first, we can't do. Well, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think Odor's probably the odd man out, unfortunately, both roster-wise and infield-wise, because when Voight comes back, you're not going to play DJ at third because that's where Geo is. I mean, unless they do an unbelievable amount of platooning and give Glaber a bunch of days off, Geo a bunch of days off, DJ a bunch of days off, in which case when one of those guys gets off, you could still fit in Odor. But once Voight does return, you're looking at your standard infield yet again of Voight at first, DJ at second, Glaber at short, and Geo at third. And just being a little picky here, Odor was not a signing. He was traded. (laughs) But he has been really good so far. He's played up to par with the parts of his game that are really, really good. And as I told you, when he first came here, I told you his attributes. His attributes is that he's a big power hitter. He's not a great fielder. And although he hasn't been a bad fielder or fantastic fielder, he's been fine fielding-wise. So he's kind of played up to par with that. And he brings a lot of fire and a lot of energy. And he's lived up to all of those so far. So he's basically lived up to what I've said, but in the sense that he's been even better than what I originally anticipated, he has come through a lot with a lot of big clutch hits. And my god, he deserves all the credit for that. He's been very exciting. He's been like a ball of energy out there. But it definitely seems that he could very well be the odd man out when Voight returns. I mean, we'll have to see how the Yankees manage it, both with the infield and with the roster. And if you want me to be honest with you, I'd rather them send Tyler Wade back down and then keep Odor here at least on the bench so he could still be on the team if anything, but obviously I know because of how much the Yankees love Tyler Wade for some reason, 
because they just value his versatility. He could play a bunch of different positions, which I know in baseball these days is extremely valuable. But the fact that he's an average at best defender, in my opinion, he can't hit the ball to save his life. He is also fast, so I know that the Yankees value that as well. They usually like to use him in a pinch running situation or a late game substitution, maybe. I don't know. They just love Tyler Wade, so I don't see them doing that. So I'm really not sure what happens to Odor for sure once Voigt returns. But considering how often he's come through in big moments for the Yankees, the power that he's flashed just like he used to do when he was younger, and just the fire that he brings to the team, I would rather him be on the bench, honestly, if you want my honest opinion, over someone like Tyler Wade. At least Odor has his positives. I really don't see many positives at all with Tyler Wade. So, I mean, listen, we'll see what happens, but as for now... I just have a personal feeling that Odor very well could be the odd man out because the Yankees love Tyler Wade and his speed and his versatility, but, but that's just me. He could very well be the odd man out, but we'll have to see. All right, up next is my good friend Kate at NYY underscore Kate, and she asks, what are your thoughts on how the Yankees are managing Judge and Stanton this season? Oh boy. <laughs> the million dollar question, I suppose. So I'm going to expand upon this a little bit more later on in the recap segment, but here's the thing. We knew coming into this year that the Yankees were going to be giving Judge and Stanton plenty of their rest time in a desperate attempt to keep them healthy for most of the season at least. So it's not surprising to me when either of them get a day off or multiple days off maybe. But on a day like yesterday where we have an off day tomorrow on Monday, and when Stanton is as red hot as I've really ever seen him, if you want me to be honest with you, he's been doing that good. It's really tough to give a guy an off day on a day like yesterday, when you're also sitting Gio Urshela, who's also one of your best hitters. And I'm not complaining. The Yankees won yesterday. They did a fine job, still scored six runs. They got the job done. And I know, if you're going to sit somebody, then you might as well do it against a team like the Tigers. So I see where they're coming from if they were coming at it from that approach, maybe. But on certain days, especially because I just really don't believe in sitting guys when they're clearly just seeing the ball so, so well, and they're just on such a hot streak like Stanton and even Judges right now. So I just get really skeptical about sitting guys when they're doing that well. I do believe in off days sometimes cooling guys off. And my God, I hope Stanton goes out there in today's game when the Yankees are going to be going for the sweep. I hope he still goes out there and has himself a great day, even though he had the day off yesterday. And the off day doesn't cool him off. I hope that's what happens. But ever since I became a baseball fan almost 15 years ago, I just always felt uneasy about resting guys who were as hot as Stanton's been. But at the same time, I know and have expected the Yankees to manage Stanton and Judge's playing time like this, like they have so far and throughout the rest of the season, constantly giving them their respective days off and playing the long game, as Aaron Boone puts it, just to ensure that they stay healthy for as much of the season as possible. So, so far, it has not surprised me how it's been managed. But on days like yesterday, when one of them, or if it happens to both of them on any given day going forward too, when they're hitting very well and given the day off, I'm going to have something to say about it just because of the fact that in all of my years as a baseball fan, I just don't like sitting guys when they're as hot as those two are right now. 
So those are my thoughts on it. I hope those make as much sense as possible for you. But I guess those are my feelings on it, on how they've been managed this season. So far, I'm fine with it, but on the occasional day where they get a day off when they're playing really hot, then I'll probably have something to say about it at that point. All right, this is reply, what, number four? Yeah, I think it's number four. Next, we have Rob at Laker 477, and Rob asks, Do you think Gary Sanchez will somehow turn it around, or do you think he will be traded at some point? Well, I'm going to be expanding upon this further because I see future replies are going to be asking a lot about Gary as well, so I'll be expanding more upon this, but right now, I'm not sure Gary is going to turn much of anything around. I'm right on the edge with him. I came into this season, as you know, we've spoken about Gary ad nauseum, even throughout the offseason when he was playing winter ball. But honestly, at this point, I said coming into the season that I would be giving Gary maybe a month or two's worth of leash to show that he's going to turn it around and be the starting catcher for the Yankees that we all know he could be. Because whether you want to deny it or not, whether it be from 2016 or 2017, or at the occasional points where we see it in flashes throughout the last couple of years, we see the potential that Gary Sanchez has to be a good catcher, especially hitting-wise, offensively. That's really what you expect of him most. So when he's not doing that, then in the minds of many, he's pretty much useless. And so far, that has not been pretty, and the more he plays, the worse it's gotten. He hasn't really done anything since the first week of the season or so. Really nothing. And that's really bad for him. So in my opinion, the more he plays at the pace that he has, the less his trade value is going to be because he's been doing less than nothing. So I'm not even really sure what trade value he garners right now. And as far as him turning around, I'm not so sure that's going to happen anymore. We are a month in. And at this point, Higashioka, and rightfully so, has earned more playing time. I mentioned that at some point last week's episode. I know I did. I think it was during recap. I just mentioned it really briefly that if Higashioka continues to play like he has, which has been very well, and if Gary continues to play like he's played, which is very badly since the first week, give or take, of the season, then Gary Sanchez's days are going to be numbered, and you're going to see Higashioka get a lot more playing time, as he deserves. And that's what's rightfully happened. You gotta do what's best for the team. You've invested a few years into Gary Sanchez, you've been giving him a lot of chances, and if you're someone like me, who has defended him a lot in the past, and has been so patient with him, has been an advocate for him, all winter long was talking about his work ethic, playing winter ball, doing all he can to turn his career around, and at some point you just hit a wall saying, How many chances can you give someone before it just becomes detrimental to the team at some point? And you just look at a guy and say, maybe now that's just what he is. And I'm right on the edge there. I really am. Not much longer until I'm going to throw in the towel here. Not much longer at all. He's been awful. So I guess my answer to your question, Rob, is that at this point, I'm strongly leaning towards no for him turning it around. I really am. And that upsets me. I don't want any Yankee player to fail. I was really coming into this year rooting hard for Gary Sanchez. And especially when Higashioka was starting to earn more playing time, I was saying, hey, maybe that motivates Gary. But he still hasn't done anything when he has played. So I don't know what it's going to take for him to turn it around. I don't know if it's going to even happen at all at this point. 
I just don't know. But I'm strongly, strongly leaning towards no. But <laughs> that's my little Gary tirade, I guess. Let's keep going. Rebecca, at Peace Now for Life, asks, I'm sure you saw Judge's reaction to the Astros question on the post game. When the Astros come to the Bronx, do you anticipate any bad blood between the teams to boil over? Yeah, I did actually see Judge's response. It was really funny. They basically asked him, they were like, well, this is the first time that you guys are seeing the Astros since the scandal was exposed in the 2019 offseason. And they basically just straight up asked him, they're like, are you over it? And about 10 whole seconds of dead air went by until Judge just finally answered. He was like, I don't really have an answer for that. Which basically means no, they're not over it. (laughs) More or less, just without coming out and saying it. So, I don't know. Based on Judge's response, maybe there is still going to be some bad blood that boils over. But even if there's not between the players, one thing I can guarantee you is that the fans will make their feelings known. (laughs) And that's going to be very interesting. Up next, we have at MJ Torres 1230. And he asks, does Gary Sanchez have any trade value? Well, I guess that sort of goes into what I was saying to Rob before. I guess if he continues to play at the pace that he has so far, whenever he is to play, if he continues on this pace, then there's going to be little to no value with him, honestly. So, if he continues on this path, maybe right now he still garners a little bit because it's only been a month, and maybe some team will see some value and some potential for him to turn it around, but as of right now, if he continues to play like this, if the Yankees maybe give him another couple of months or so, he's going to have little to no value. That's just my opinion. All right, next we have Laura Icemont at Laura underscore Icemont. And Laura asks, who has been the biggest surprise for the Yankees so far this season and why? Hmm. Very good question. Um, you want to know something? I think I'm kind of inclined to go with Higashioka, but Higashioka showed signs of doing this already before. Like, he was the primary catcher in the playoffs last year because he was just better. So he's shown this before. You know what? I'm going to go with Rugnet Odor. I'm going to go with that because lately he's gotten so many big clutch hits. He's hitting his homers like he used to a lot. And he's brought a lot of fire to this team. And I think the Yankees need that because this was even a talking point on the Yes Network broadcast with Michael Kay, I think, at some point, who has since actually followed me on Twitter. So thank you very much, Michael. But anyway, they were actually talking about this on the Yes Network one day. They were saying that the Yankees are such like a proper team, so professional. And someone like Odor brings this bat flipping or bat dropping, I guess, to the Yankees and all this fire and energy whenever something big happens. And I kind of agree with that. I think the Yankees need that. So honestly, I think Odor has been a surprise so far. I don't know how long it's going to keep up, but so far, he has been a surprise. He's not hitting for average or getting on base too often like I said he wouldn't. He's not an OBP guy. He's not an average guy. But you can guarantee you'll get okay fielding, maybe. And you're going to get a lot of fire, and you're going to get power. That's what Odor is. And we've gotten that, plus some really big clutch hits since he's come here. And it's been fun with him. So you know what? Right now on the fly... Just thinking about it, just within a few seconds, I'm going to say Rugnetto Door. All right, next up we have at Jeremy Arroyo. And Jeremy asks, since it's the Trastros next series, who do you think is getting plunked first 
And will the Yankees flex or swag a little harder on homers? Also, will Rugned be a key factor if a fight breaks out? <laughs> uh, I don't know if anyone gets plunked. I mean, I hope not, just for the Yankees' sake of staying healthy. So I think the Yankees are going to value that more than anything. But I don't doubt that, yeah, if there's a big home run hit or in a big clutch moment, yeah, I don't doubt that there's probably going to be a little more swag on it, especially if someone like Odor does it. But speaking of Odor, actually... About the fight breaking out, if there is one, will he be a key factor? Of course, he's referring to when he knocked the daylights out of Jose Bautista a few years ago. (laughs) But, I mean, maybe. Maybe he's a key factor. (laughs) But We'll see what happens. It definitely is going to be a very interesting series (laughs) that I cannot wait to see. Alright, I think that was number eight, if I'm not mistaken. So let's just, let's do like a few more. We could do... A little bit beyond 10, I think. Maybe one or two more. So maybe 11 or 12. Up next is at Blue Russian 5555 And he asks, <laughs> how many MVP votes will Tyler Wade get this year? <laughs> I obviously know you're joking, but I promise you, he'll get zero. <laughs> I promise. Up next is at Dflex2123. And they ask, are you convinced that Kyle Higashioka can be the starting catcher? And can Gary Sanchez rebound? Well, the second question I already answered before, so I'll just refer you back to the previous reply in which I answered that one. But the first question, am I convinced that Higashioka can be the starting catcher? I'm not so sure that he'll be, like, necessarily every day, or almost every day, but I think they're going to platoon pretty much, because you can't take away Higashioka's playing time now, because he's just made it impossible for them to do that. (laughs) He's played so well, both behind the plate and at the plate. And it's made it near impossible for Gary Sanchez to get any consistent playing time whatsoever because he hasn't earned it. And quite frankly, he's got nobody to blame for that whatsoever other than himself. But as far as Higashioka getting more playing time, yeah, I definitely think he could handle it for sure. Uh, I think if maybe he plays like four games out of the week, maybe four or five, and then Gary plays like two, I definitely think he could handle that. But yeah, I definitely think that's a more likely approach that the Yankees could take, like platooning them. But within that platoon, Higashioka has got to get more playing time with the way things are going right now. He just has to. There's no way around it. All right, let's do one, maybe two more. Up next, we have James Celestin at Black Rebirth 52, my friend James, and he asks, So far, who has been the Yankees' MVP to start the season? Also, are you confident that the Yankees can turn their season around and start winning again? Well, honestly, with how overwhelmingly dominant he's been, even in starts where he claims to not even have his A stuff, (laughs) I don't know how you go with anybody else other than Garrett Cole at this point, being the Yankees' MVP. I know he's just going once every five days or so, starting pitcher, but he's just been so dominant. I don't know how you go with anybody else. Maybe... Now, Chapman out in the bullpen has been untouchable. Chapman's been great. Luizaga has been terrific, finally taking that next step in his career. And I don't know, There's there are some options, but I definitely have to go with Cole. I don't know how you go with anybody different. And am I confident that the Yankees can turn their season around and start winning again? Yeah, I'm confident. I mean, we just had that question last week, I think, right? When I asked you if you think that little winning streak they had going in Cleveland was a sign of the Yankees turning things around. And I said I was leaning more optimistically, yes, because I just, I felt something was changing, regardless of who they're facing on the schedule, if they're easier teams or whatever. 
You know, it's the schedule. That's just the way it is. And like I said before, even if they are easier teams than certain others, you still got to go out there and get the job done. And despite a couple of frustrating losses in Baltimore, which we'll get to later, they've really gotten it done with this easier part of the schedule since the Cleveland series. They got it done in Cleveland. They split with Baltimore. I would have liked the series win at least. And they're having a damn good series against the Tigers so far, so if they could get back to 500 today, then yeah, I think they take off from there, especially since April's over. It's always been a dreadful month for the Yankees, so I definitely think they could turn it around, and I think they have in this last week, week and a half or so. Alright, let's do one more here on Twitter before I do. Maybe a couple over on Instagram. We'll finish off with at NYYFanForever96, and they ask, Do you think the Yankees' offense is back? Well, it definitely has looked like it the last week and a half or so. And they've definitely still had their couple of frustrating offensive days mixed in there in this last week and a half or so. But for the most part, they've had their games where they've exploded too. So they certainly look to be back. But when they face other teams like the Astros and Nationals this coming week, it'll be even more of a test to see just where they're at. But there's no question that as of late, they've definitely looked better. But those are all the questions I'll be taking over on Twitter. I'm glad I actually got to maybe a couple of more than 10. So I want to thank each and every one of you who submitted a question on Twitter. I hope my answers were to your liking. I hope they were understandable. I hope my reasoning was good enough for you. But those are my answers to all your questions on Twitter. But before we move on, before we round third and head on home with the weekly recap segment, let's head on over to Instagram and I'll read maybe a couple of questions that were submitted for me on there. But before I do that, just a reminder actually that if you want to see the questions submitted on Twitter, whether it be the ones I read or the ones I did not get to read, and trust me, there are plenty that I didn't because unfortunately, like every week, I just don't have the time to get to everybody. So if you want to see all of the questions for yourself, then just head on over to my Twitter. The handle is at Mike Scudero, as you probably know by now. And just scroll down on my page, Find the Q&A tweet, and in the comments, you will be able to see all of the questions that were submitted to me for yourself. But let's read a couple over on Instagram, and then we'll head on to our weekly recap segment. Let's start with Vamos Yankees on Instagram, and he asks, Do you think acquiring Stanton was a good move? Oh boy. All right. <laughs> this is a very polarizing question. Now, when the Yankees signed Stanton... I think it's pretty obvious that the Yankees were not in need of him. He wasn't a necessity. Definitely not, if you ask me. But 2018 was a good year for him, definitely. 2019 and the 2020 season were definitely not nearly as good because he was struggling with injuries. So health-wise, not good at all. 2020 postseason, though, <laughs> last postseason, he was obviously like nothing short of a hero. You felt that in every at-bat, he was just going to go deep. He was just incredible. And now this year, especially with how hot he's been lately, he's off to a really good start. There was a little bit in the beginning where, obviously, he was doing pretty badly, and everybody was doing badly, so it was tough to single him out necessarily, but now he's off to a much better start, and it's been good so far this year. And if he can play the whole year alongside Aaron Judge, I've said it, if those guys can stay healthy the whole year and maybe play 135, 140 plus, they're going to have good seasons. And that's going to make Yankees baseball a lot more fun. 
So it kind of depends on which part of his Yankee career you're talking about. 2018 was solid. 2019 and the 2020 season were bad because he couldn't stay healthy. The 2020 postseason was remarkable. And 2021 so far has been really good. So it kind of depends when. And it also depends how you feel about how his contract impacts payroll, which in that sense, it's probably not good because he's making a lot of money. And contracts like that can often stop an organization from making improvements elsewhere and spending money elsewhere where needed. So I guess that's my answer. It depends when. If you're looking at it from a payroll perspective and a contract perspective, obviously not great. Because I also happen to not be a believer in monster contracts, so I just don't like that. I don't like signing players to monster contracts, and I don't like taking on monster contracts from another team signing them to that monster deal. So, from that perspective, no good. And of course, when they acquired him, they weren't in need of him. So I guess my answer is kind of yes and no. (laughs) It depends on how you look at it. But especially this year so far, and going back to the 2020 postseason... It's been really good. Next, we have Sayesh2914, and Sayesh says, Are you worried about Hicks not being able to throw out anyone anymore? More alarming than his bat right now. Yeah, I actually tweeted that. I don't know if you're asking this because I happened to mention this on Twitter a couple of days ago, but I actually mentioned and brought up that very same concern. I put out a tweet asking if the Yankees are, like, at all concerned about Aaron Hicks basically having the arm of that of a wet noodle since he got Tommy John surgery because it's been horrible. And if you ask me, his overall fielding has been so much worse. His tracking down of fly balls and the routes he takes sometimes, his range in the outfield, his arm has been brutal. Like I said, it's like a wet noodle now. And I asked, are the Yankees even a little concerned about this? Have they even noticed this? Because I've been noticing this a lot going back to last year. And I even mentioned it last year when I saw it at times then, in 2020. So yeah, the answer to your question is, yeah, I am worried about it. (laughs) Just about every aspect of Hicks' game, except when he's batting righty these days, has been useless. Hitting lefty, his overall defense, it just hasn't been good. He's been dreadful. But yeah, I'm very worried about his arm. It has not been the same since Tommy John. There is no doubt about that. And I don't know if the Yankees are at all concerned about it, or if they've even noticed it, but I have, and I'm worried about it. Unless they figure out a way to get rid of him via trade somehow, you got Aaron Hicks on contract for another five years after this year, and he can't even throw anymore. When he came to the Yankees, one of his biggest attributes was his defense, and that's taken a huge hit since last year. Not good. (laughs) Not good at all. All right, let's just do a couple of more. Up next, as always, second to last, is my amazing girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And Vic and I are actually celebrating two and a half years together this weekend. So, happy two and a half year, babe. Love you. (laughs) Her question is, what are your predictions for the series against the Astros? (laughs) Well, of course, I'd love to sweep their asses right out of New York. So, that's what I'd like. But my honest prediction... I don't see the Yankees sweeping the Astros. Maybe they could get two out of three. I'll say they win two out of three. The Yankees win two out of three, not the Astros. And a lot of heckling from the fans. A lot. (laughs) I hope there's nothing thrown on the field or anything that puts any player in legitimate danger. And I do actually really feel bad for players who are on the Astros team right now, who were not on the 2017 team, who are going to be taking this unbelievable heat. But... 
for those who were on the 2017 team, you got it coming. <laughs> and I don't feel bad for you at all, as long as you're not put in any legitimate danger. But any ounce of verbal heckling or whatever, <laughs> you got it coming, my man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's going to be bad. But yeah, I'll predict the Yankees win two out of three, I guess. And lastly, as always, my beloved mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom asks, do you feel like the Yankees started their momentum as the Yankees always do? Well, yeah, I, I definitely think they have. Like I said before, I think they're on that path. If they win today, they'll be 500, and hopefully from there they just take off because all the aspects of their team have looked better. The pitching continues to look good. The bullpen has continued to look terrific. Guys like Herman and Kluber and Tyone in their last starts have looked much better. Hopefully Kluber can take another step in the right direction today against the Tigers. And the offense, most of the days throughout this last week and a half or so, have definitely seemed to find their stride a bit. Like I said in the introduction, they have started even hitting their home runs again, which is a very good sign because whether you like it or not, that's what's surrounded by this Yankees offense. They go on homers. And when they're hitting homers at the ridiculous rate they usually do when they're winning, that's when they win. And I said last week, even during their little winning streak they had going on in Cleveland before the series unfortunately had not such a great ending to it, but I did say that I thought that that was the start of the Yankees turning things around here, and I'm sticking by that right now. And then, next up you said, on the Sanchez front, are you glad Higashioka is getting his chance? I hope this is Sanchez's last year unless he wakes up. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I said before. I mean, I've said everything there is to say about Gary Sanchez, both today already and all throughout the past, honestly. And Higashioka is getting his chance because he's earned it. And obviously, you're glad that he is too, and I'm, and I'm happy about that because he has earned his chance. He's been playing so much better than Gary in every way. Every single way. And there was actually another aspect that Higgy has over Gary that I forgot to mention earlier, of all the other reasons why Higgy deserves to play as much as he has over Gary. And that other reason I forgot to mention is how much better the pitchers have looked with him too. I mean, everybody, not even just Garrett Cole. And I think it's safe to say that he's just Garrett Cole's personal catcher at this point. I think we all knew that, but can we just confirm that? It's like unofficially true with the Yankees. Like they won't admit it, but yet he's out there for Cole every time because how could you switch up that dynamic? It's such a great dynamic between the two of them. And with all of the starters who were struggling previously between Herman and Kluber with his last great start in Baltimore, they both had Higgy back there. And we're going to see how Kluber is with Higgy back there again today to maybe make even more of a correlation between this. But honestly, Higgy has even brought out the better part of the pitchers so he even has that over Gary. And I'm not just saying that. Look at the numbers, especially with Garrett Cole. It's unbelievable the difference between Gary catching Cole and Higgy catching Cole. And it's starting to look like that even with the other starters, which is good because Higgy has been getting more playing time as he deserves to get. So yeah, that's another aspect of the game that Higgy has really just earned more playing time with than Gary. And like I said before, Mom, if Gary continues to play the way he has... I said it, this year should be his last chance, and it probably is. He has nobody else to blame for that but himself. And despite how patient I've been with him, how many times I've defended him in the past, and how many times I've rightfully complimented him for his work ethic, like when he was playing winter ball this offseason, he's not playing well. Ever since the first week of the season, he's gone completely silent again. And if he stays on this path, 
Higgy's playing time will only continue to increase, and rightfully so, and Gary might even find himself gone someday. So, between how I've answered your response here and now, and how I tackled some of the Gary questions earlier, that's my opinion on where it stands with Gary and Higgy right now. I mentioned the possibility of Higgy getting more playing time last week, and it's even more so now. So, you know something? That is all for the Q&A this week, guys. And I want to thank, again, each and every one of you, Twitter and Instagram, for submitting your questions. And if I didn't get to you, I am very, very sorry. You know the deal. It's just a lot of you interact, thankfully. And I couldn't be more thankful for that. But as always, if I don't get to you, then just keep on doing it every week, guys. Keep on interacting with the poll segments and with the open-ended questions and with the Q&As. And I promise you, I'm going to get to you eventually. But thank you all, as always, for all of your interactions yet again here with this Q&A. But we have got a bunch to go over for this past week as far as controversy, roster moves, injury updates, major takeaways from all this past week's games. So let's waste no further time. Let's round third and head on home with this week's weekly recap segment. And as always, if you will be so kind as to join me, in jumping back to last Sunday, when we last spoke. So, where we left off last week, I think the game was in, like, what, the second? Bottom of the second? Top of the third? It was scoreless. And Tyone had a great first three innings of work. He had the start that day. McKenzie did well, too. And the Yankee bats definitely blew some opportunities against him, too, but he still did a nice job. They both did. Until the fourth inning. (laughs) A Geo two-run bomb to right center. A really nice shot for Geo. Then Mikey Mustache, Mike Ford, went back-to-back with Geo. Solo shot also to right center. And the Yanks jumped out in front 3-0 in that fourth inning. And then, after being given a three-run lead, Tyone completely fell apart right away in the bottom of the fourth as well. Not good at all. And that's infuriating to watch when that happens. The Bats give the pitcher a 3-0 lead, and then, promptly, their guy takes the mound again and collapses like a house of cards. Not ideal. RBI single, three-run bomb, down 4-3 before you could even blink. Then, after that fourth inning, with the pitch count only in the 70s, Boone yanks Tyone out of the game. A little early, if you ask me, because at the time I was thinking, you gotta have him start to work through that a little bit. Maybe at least have him start the fifth. So I disagreed with that, but his final line, four innings, four runs, six strikeouts, still a good amount of strikeouts, great first three innings, and then he just fell apart in the fourth, yanked early. But even more so than disagreeing with that decision, I disagreed even more with who he went with out of the pen afterwards, Boone meaning. And that's the man who I spent plenty of time on last week's episode talking about how much he stinks and that is Nick Nelson. At the time, literally the only unreliable arm out in the pen. And he went out there and stunk up the joint yet again. Three runs in two innings of work, just hot garbage. Why they went with him in a one-run, high-leverage situation is beyond me. But that made it 7-3, to three, and that's the score that the Indians would win by. So, the Yanks couldn't complete the four-game sweep, but... You know what? Three out of four on the road? Totally fine with that. I'll take it. The one thing I was very happy about after the game, though, was the something that happened that I was asking for right when the game ended. 
And that was the optioning of Nick Nelson to the alternate site. And even up to now, today, that is where we still find him. And when or if he is to return, I'm sure he'll be back at some point, but if or when he is, I hope he figures it out, because this run of his, since the start of the season, was just nothing short of horrendous. (laughs) Monday, couple of roster moves. Miguel Andujar, haven't heard that name in a while. He was reinstated from the 10-day IL, and he was optioned to the alternate site, so... He seems to be doing better from his hand and wrist issues, and he'll be at the alternate site if and when needed. And also, the man who the Yanks thankfully decided to go with to start Monday's game instead of using an opener again, Davey Garcia. He was recalled from the alternate site so he could start the game. And start he did. And the O's got to him early. Second pitch of the game, Cedric Mullins hit a freaking nuke. Cedric Mullins! (laughs) And then in the second inning, Freddie Galvis hit an RBI double to make it 2 to nothing, and Davey ended up being taken out after the fourth, only throwing 65 pitches. So, another game, at the time, where the bullpen had to cover more innings than the starter. Litke pitched a scoreless fifth, Darren O'Day allowed a run in the sixth on what was a lousy balk call, and I don't know about you, but it just drives me nuts watching runs being given up from balks. I just, it's just irritating. And if not for that balk call, he would have gotten out of what was a first and third nobody out jam, so that really sucked. Wilson allowed another home run to Mullins in the seventh, that made it 4-1, to one, and that's all the runs the O's scored. The offense? Off Matt Harvey, who's had a 6 ERA or higher for three of the last four years prior to this season... <laughs> Well, the offense made him look like 2015 Matt Harvey again. The Dark Knight. Pathetic. One hit off of Matt Harvey up until Stanton's double in the sixth. One hit! Only run was on an RBI double by Judge in the sixth right after that Stanton double. And then, in the eighth, a bunch of foolery happened. Gio got a hit with the bases loaded and two outs, so good on Gio there. And then Judge was thrown out at third, going from first to third on the hit. And the umpires said the tag at third happened before the second run, being DJ, touched home plate for the second run on the hit, in what would have been a two-run single to make it four to three. And it was obvious to me at least, and the Yes crew as far as we could tell, at least with the views that we saw, that DJ's foot did hit home plate before the tag at third. And for some reason, the umpires didn't let Boone and the Yankees challenge. And it seemed like they barely even gave him time, honestly. But I guess the umpires claimed they took too long when they weren't even looking at Boone. I mean, what is the time that you can take? Is there a specific amount? Is it up to umpires' discretion? If my memory serves me right, I think it's 20 seconds, maybe? But seriously, honest question. And Boone completely lost his mind and got ejected because of the fact that they didn't let him challenge. So it ended up just being an RBI single. But honestly, in the eighth inning, you've got a challenge there regardless if you're the Yankees. It's the eighth inning. There's no reason to save the challenge at that point. Just challenge. And if you're judge, you can't be making the last out trying to stretch it to third base on a late-game rally like that and risk ending that rally on a screeching halt. 
And oh, how about getting more than one hit off of 2021 Matt Harvey in almost six full innings? The whole thing was a clown show, which isn't a surprise whenever umpires and the Yankees offense that night was involved. So after that whole freaking mess, that made it 4-2, to which is what the Yankees would lose by. Shameful job by the offense, the whole disaster in the eighth inning with the umpires, which then resulted in Aaron Boone saying that the Yankees were victims of bullying. Do I even need to address how embarrassing that statement is with the way he said it? The team was also so boring and lifeless, yet again, coming off of what was a successful weekend in Cleveland, which almost felt completely undone after a game like Monday's. Just an awful game. It's firing me up talking about it all over again, even if it was six days ago. (laughs) And they also optioned Davey right back to the alternate site again. He'll be back whenever they need him. Tuesday, the Yanks recalled Michael King from the alternate site. Also, Gary got benched, which was a big topic that day and something that I was happy about. Because as of the night prior... And this is even another point to add on to what I was saying about Gary Sanchez earlier during the Q&A segment. But because of the night prior, still seeing him getting not only beaten on breaking balls still, but even getting completely overmatched on fastballs in the strike zone. I had said that my patience with him was, let's just say, at an all-time low, hanging by a thread. That was really the game that did it, and it's still just like that now, barely by a thread, just barely. And remember what I said before, even going back to last week, that Boone had said Higgy was playing more already at the time because he earned it. And that seems to still be extending to now, as I was saying a ton before, which you can't disagree with, given how Gary has been since the first week or week and a half of the season when he started hot. He's regressed big time all over again. At what point do you say, is this Gary Sanchez? Is this just what he is now? And Higgy again made an immediate impact, as you'll hear in a second. And they're lucky to have another option in Higgy for when someone like Gary is struggling. A lot of people said, oh, why is Gary being singled out? Well, it's not even that. I mean, Gary's his own situation because everybody's been more than patient with him for years now. Some people say, oh, why isn't the same energy given to someone like Aaron Hicks or everybody else that's having a tough time too? Well, the trouble is, unless you bring somebody up from the minor leagues, then you're not really going to find a better option to replace those guys. In Gary's case, there is a better option. There's Higashioka, who they could play more often. And if you're going to point to someone like Aaron Hicks, well, if you want them to play someone more than him, which quite frankly, I wouldn't mind either, Who else are you going to put that's clearly doing better than he is? If you're not calling up someone like Estevan Florial, maybe. So Gary's his own case, and in his position, they happen to have somebody who's doing much better than him in Higashioka, and they can play him. But first, also, something else happened on Tuesday that came as quite a surprise. I don't want to keep spending so much time talking about Gary. I mean, we've just exhausted the subject. We know where we stand at this point with him. But something else that definitely came as a surprise on Tuesday happened. And especially for the time of the year, made it even more of a surprise. And I teased it earlier on in the intro, but... We know about Cashman saying that teams have inquired about him in the past, the offseason in particular, but... Now something's actually happened with this particular player. 
And that guy is Mike Talkman. He was traded to the San Francisco Giants. So they get an outfielder with Yastrzemski getting injured. And in return, the Yankees got a player to be named and lefty pitcher Wandy Peralta, a 29-year-old middle reliever going on 30 from the DR. He hasn't really had himself a good career so far, despite having some velocity. Obviously, it doesn't mean much to have velocity if you can't locate well. I've always preached that. But if the Yankees need reliever depth, he's there. And we obviously need to see more of him, but he has joined that Yankee bullpen. We already saw him throw once in the blowout against the Tigers. That was on Friday night. But if they need him at any other time, he's there. And if they want to send him down at any point, he does have an option remaining, which is always good for the team, and organizations like that option, so they can do that. I gotta tell you, though, while I am by no means destroyed by this trade, and I don't think this massively hurts the Yankees, really, in the grand scheme of things, but I'll miss Talkman. I'll miss him. I know he had a down year last year in the weird shortened season when he played. Like, a really down year. (laughs) But plenty of people did including some of the best as we know. But he also said he had a shoulder issue last year. A lot of problems with the shoulder. And obviously we didn't get to see much of him this year outside of a couple of awesome base running moments, also because it's still early in the year. Good depth piece. But with Talkman, the best time with him was of course 2019. The next man up squad, when there were like 30 injuries. (laughs) And he was a big part of that. He was one of the guys to step up. Solid lefty bat that year, and he always brought fire to the team. Really good defender in general. So, honestly, best of luck to Mike Talkman. Nothing against the guy whatsoever, and I hope he has plenty of success over there on the West Coast. He's a good guy, and he is a solid player. Now, to replace his roster spot, Tyler Wade was recalled. So happy. So, for outfield depth now, since Talkman's gone, I guess you got Guardy and Wade now. <laughs> uh, I assume he'll be depth for both the outfield and infield, with Glaber or second base too, pinch running as well, depending on the day or situation. I can't stand him, he's so bad. <laughs> Alright, anyways, the game. Fortunately, things would look better on Tuesday. Kluber got the start, and my god, was this a massive step for him. You could go on about how it's the O's, I don't care. Six and two-thirds innings, six hits given up, but didn't allow one until the fourth. One run on a slow roller for an RBI single in the infield. He walked two and struck out five. Definitely a lot more innings than he's done up to this point, that's for sure. And the most any starter outside of Cole has done so far. Montgomery's had a couple of six-inning performances, and Herman had one in Cleveland, but at the time, other than that, yeah, six and two-thirds, that was the closest to Cole, so very nicely done by Kluber. First win as a Yankee, very good to see. Lowered his ERA from the mid-fives to 415, got the pitch count up too, much higher this time to 96. Just an awesome job by my boy Corey Kluber. Luizaga came in and got the last out of that seventh, pitched a shutout 8th, looked filthy yet again, and Litke pitched a shutout ninth to seal what was a 5-1 victory. How'd the Yanks get those 5 runs? Well, I'll remind you. 
Geo had a sack fly and then an RBI single later on in the game that could have been more afterwards if not for yet another boneheaded mistake on the bases with the third base coach Phil Nevin sending Stanton home and Stanton was out by about 40 feet but anyway <laughs> there were also three homers hit all solo bombs one by Judge one by Stanton and one by the guy who I mentioned earlier Higashioka who went 2 for 4 on the night overall as he continued his great hitting so far. The offense as a whole got 12 hits, just a much better night all around. Yanks won 5 to 1. Wednesday night, Judge got the night off. After Tuesday night's game, Boone said that Judge was experiencing a little soreness throughout his lower body from travel. I mean, listen, it didn't sound like a big deal, and I wasn't worried about Judge missing much time at all, and it turns out he didn't, because he pinch hit late on Thursday against the O's late in the game, even though he was a career 0 for 9 with 7 strikeouts prior to that pinch hitting, and spoiler alert, it worked like a charm yet again. (laughs) So, solid decision by Boone there, and for those who have zero ability to pick up sarcasm, I'm being totally sarcastic about that. And with the whole judge controversy about giving the days off, I know this giving him days off like this is the Yankees doing all they can to keep him as healthy as possible throughout the season. I even warned that they would be doing this the whole year, and they will continue to. They're desperate to keep guys like him and Stanton healthy. He's already played through bad injuries in the past, and oftentimes, it has not been to his benefit. And I'm the one that predicted he would play 140-plus and hit 40-plus homers this year. And throughout that, I obviously, again, expected him to have plenty of days off despite that, so that he can be healthy as much as possible. So fine. And I acknowledge that. But I'm also not going to be frustrated with anybody for feeling like, you know, a a bit of frustration, saying that Judge is just never out there and Stanton's never out there. I mean, not so much warranted in this situation because, again, it was another short-term thing, but you get what I'm saying. It's tough to really be mad at somebody for being frustrated. And the only reason I used Stanton there was because of how much time he's missed in the past. So I do get if people are frustrated given Judge and Stanton's injury history. It's tough to get really mad at people who just get into an uproar, even with something that seems to be short term. But at the same time, nothing to really be worried about because, again, this didn't even feel like a long term thing. But about expressing frustration, I mean, travel? How could you not say to yourself, like, oh my god. <laughs> After hearing something like that, travel, I don't know if this was just something to give him a day off or two since he played like 15 or 16 in a row at the time or something, which was great to see, but I swear, man, it's more that reason given that makes me frustrated. Travel? And then I think of when Boone was saying wear and tear after the first five games of the season. And I'm just going to come out and say something right now. I never insulted them this way on this show, this outright before, but I'm sorry. I I can't help it anymore. This just needs to be said. And whether they want to admit it or not, this is what's on almost everyone's minds, and rightfully so, and I just need to say it. But between this, soreness from traveling, and statements like wear and tear after five games, and Boone saying he felt bullied after the whole mess with the umps on Monday night bullied? You could do me a favor and get rid of that mentality real quick, by the way. And countless other examples before in the past couple of years, whether it be statements with other injuries or what have you, but mainly the bullying thing, there is no doubt that sometimes the Yankees can really just come off 
as a bunch of babies. And I know what some of you are probably saying. I can hear it from some of you now. Oh, Mike, you're just now realizing this? No, of course not. I've gone on plenty of rants about statements about certain injuries, the stupid statements that are made in general, and especially this team's mindset before the last couple of years. Plenty of them. And I just finally had to come out and say this now, that just sometimes they really come off as a bunch of babies. There are just too many laughable statements by Boone and the Yankees, and so many stupid things that happen on the regular. And at the time, that was really what I was thinking. It really is, and I still feel that way now. Despite things obviously being better at the moment, which is great, I'm happy about it. But at those times, at certain points in time, they come off like babies. And it's infuriating to listen to when they do. And you know I'm right, whether you want to face the truth or not. It's just the truth. And I know what Aaron Boone was trying to get at with the bullying thing, but it just came off as laughably pathetic. It really did. I just had to get that out before talking about the game. I'm sorry, but let's get into it. Dear God. And you can disagree with me all you want about that. I really don't care. It needs to be said. <laughs> Anyways, Herman got the start, and my goodness, did he take another step in the right direction from his start in Cleveland. He was fantastic. Seven shutout innings. And I wanted him to at least start the 8th to give the bullpen more of a break since he only had 92 pitches, but whatever. 7 innings, only 3 hits, only walked 1 and struck out 6. Economical, dominant, just an awesome start. After him, Michael King would toss 2 more shutout innings, now having 11 shutout innings on his season so far. And yet, that warranted another optioning to the alternate site right after the game. Pretty annoying, not gonna lie. I know because he has options, the Yankees can do that, and I warned that all season long, guys would be going up and down and up and down, but it's pretty annoying. Michael King has done everything, everything that's been asked of him, and he was sent down again. It's just pretty annoying. It really is. Obviously, that's changed since, but at the time, that's just the way it was. And the offense again came to life. Mike Ford solo shot in the second Glaber Torres, RBI single in the third, as he continues to look better at the plate, thankfully. Gio Rochella, definitely one of the best hitters in the lineup of late. Three-run shot. Aaron Hicks hit a sack fly. And Clint Frazier, despite going full idiot on the bases right after hitting a rocket double, trying to advance to third from second on a ground ball to short right in front of him, you can never have enough of those base running mistakes, hit a solo shot. First homer of the year for him, finally. Seven runs in total, Yanks win 7-0. Thursday, Wandy Peralta, who again, they acquired in the Talkman trade, was added to the team and took King's spot on the roster. Otherwise, the Yanks looked to take the series, and they did just the opposite of that. <laughs> they split with the Orioles. And I'm sorry, you gotta at least take that series, you have to. A split against them is just bad to me. It's just bad. It was underwhelming. And this game really pissed me off. It really, really did. Montgomery started the game. He went 5-plus, got knocked out of the game on a home run that hit the top of the wall by Mancini. That was the second run he gave up at the time after giving up a run in the first. That tied the game at 2 at the time. That was in the 6th inning, and the Yanks had a 2-1 lead before Mancini's homer. And after Montgomery was taken out, Chad Green, two beautifully pitched innings. Then Darren O'Day who has otherwise looked really good before that O's series, gave the Orioles the lead. 
Austin Hayes double into the gap, which, again, Aaron Hicks took his sweet-ass time on to go over and field. And then, poor Jonathan Loisaga was a victim of Rob Manfred Little League Baseball in the 10th. But what was the worst thing was what we've seen so many times this year out of this team, and they went right back to it on Thursday, and that's blowing opportunities. Almost every inning, they had scoring chances until they finally came through on an Odor two-run single in the fifth. Nearly blew bases loaded, no one out that inning. That gave the Yanks their 2-1 lead at the time. And then in the ninth, Glaber Torres, also just continuing to look much better, hit a game-tying double, but there is even an infuriating part to that. It was a ground rule double. And if it didn't hop over the wall, the Yanks would have taken the lead. Instead, the second runner that planned on scoring had to be held up. And then Gio hit a screaming line drive right after that, right to shortstop. (laughs) Top of the 10th, start of Little League Baseball again. The Yanks don't score, and it all started with miserable bunt attempts by our favorite Yankee, Tyler Wade. Fouled out in a bunt attempt with two strikes for the first out, and the Yanks just never scored after that. And as I said earlier, Luizica, the victim of the Little League rule, gave up a game-winning sack fly after someone who was batting 0-53 in Pat Vileka was able to get a better bunt down than Tyler Wade. And as was also mentioned before, Aaron Hicks also continued to have the arm of a wet noodle. You want to talk about another player who my patience is just at an all-time low with? Aaron Hicks is one of them. I spoke all about why I feel that way back in the Q&A, so go listen back to that in case you missed it. But I'm just going to say this once again about Tyler Wade, though. The very sight of Tyler Wade makes me feel almost physically ill. And I hope you know that if any of you even think of trying to defend him to me, I will probably lose all respect for you, regardless of who you are. He is completely useless. And shame on the rest of the bats, too, for not taking advantage of all the other chances they had beyond just that 10th inning. So, Yankees lose 4-3, to three, only a series split, and especially in that fashion, just not good. An infuriating loss. 5-3 and three road trip, would have definitely liked for it to at least be 6-2, and two, but whatever. Friday, humongous positive turnaround. This was the murder I've been looking for. See what I mean by ups and downs? Yanks won 10 to nothing against the Tigers. Started from the first inning, and it just did not stop. Gio Rochella, RBI single in the first. Clint Frazier, solo shot in the second. Bottom of the third, solo shots by Aaron's Judge and Hicks. The Judge one was a nuke off the glass above Monument Park in dead center. Bottom of the fourth, Judge homered again. This time, it was an Oppo Taco Grand Salami. Second deck. Eight to nothing at that point. Eight nothing. Aaron Hicks followed that with an RBI double in the same inning. Tons of early damage by the Yanks. Hadn't been a frequent thing yet up to that point. And then a 10th run was added on in the 5th on a solo bomb by Odor into the second deck in right. And then I guess they figured that they had had enough. Again, 10 runs when all was said and done. 15 hits and 5 home runs as the homers continued their resurgence. And when you have King Garrett on the mound, how could you not be comfortable? Even when it was only 1 or 2 to nothing, let alone 10 nothing. And boy, did he pitch another gem. 
Six innings, could have gone seven if it weren't such a blowout, but it was. They figured they'd be careful and preserve him, only had 87 pitches. Six shutout innings, four hits, no walks, yet again, and 12 strikeouts. (laughs) The third time already that he's had 10 or more strikeouts and didn't walk anybody this year. Fourth win of the year already, ERA down to 143 heading into May. (laughs) He's had a truly remarkable start to the season. After him, Sessa, scoreless 7th, newly acquired Wandy Peralta, scoreless 8th, and Litke struck out the side in the ninth. 18 strikeouts total by Yankees pitching, an overall fantastic night, relaxing and comfortable 10-0 win. And finally, yesterday. Before the game, the Yankees placed Darren O'Day on the 10-day IL with a rotator cuff strain, and that is the bullpen injury that I foreshadowed earlier in the show in the intro, and his IL stint, by the way, is retroactive to April 30th. And to me, that's not good. I really don't like anything involving rotator cuffs. I mean, hopefully it's not bad and it can heal up quickly, but... O'Day is a favorite of mine out there, and he's done a solid job as anticipated through the first month. So, hopefully it's a quick recovery, but again, rotator cuffs and just about anything in the shoulder or elbow, it just automatically makes me uncomfortable. To replace his spot, Michael King was recalled, as he deserves. As I mentioned earlier, 11 scoreless innings on his season so far. He's done everything asked of him, so he definitely deserved the recall. And as long as O'Day is gone, I assume he'll stick around, because there's that open spot for him on the roster. And I'm not worried about the bullpen as a whole, because, I mean, they have so many weapons out there, and they've all done so great. They've been the best aspect of this team for the whole season so far. So, not worried about them whatsoever. I'm sure they could easily pick up the slack. So, hopefully Darren O'Day comes back as soon as possible, and you also have Zach Britton coming back on May 31st, still it seems. Alright, the game. Fortunately, the Yanks would get another win. 6-4. to four. Tyone got the start again, and outside of laboring a bit in his final inning of work, the fifth inning, he battled, and he did a very nice job. And I'd be lying if I told you it doesn't make me feel at least a little uneasy that on start number five, he still seems to run out of gas and labor a bit come 70-ish pitches, but listen, I obviously know the deal with him. He hadn't pitched since 2019 before this year, and he's still building the pitch counts and the length into games. I get it. I'm the one that's kept repeating that as time's gone along. And I'll be concerned if that keeps on going on maybe like mid-June. That's when I'll start to get a little more worried, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that. And also, I gotta compliment Ty on a little bit. It really isn't fair to me that even after yesterday, his ERA is still 524 despite it still being just the first couple of days into May, because as much as I value ERA, and I value it a bunch as you know, it's not really telling Tyone's whole story. Yeah, he's allowed quite a bit of runs here and there, and he hasn't thrown too many innings just yet, but plenty of times, especially like his start last week in Cleveland, and even yesterday with the one run he gave up on the Candelario solo shot, his damage tends to pour on him all at once in one inning. Most of the time, the fourth. (laughs) And the rest of the start is him usually doing a fine job and racking up strikeouts, which he's done well 
But again, I know a big reason for that is because he doesn't have a lot of innings on his back either for those runs he's allowed, but you get my point. Hopefully. (laughs) But his final line yesterday after he got through the fifth inning, five innings, just three hits, one run, three walks, but eight strikeouts. Still racking up those strikeouts. And after the Yankees retook the lead on a Judge RBI double in the bottom of the fifth, if the Yanks held that lead, that would allow Tyone to qualify for his first Yankee win and his first victory in exactly two years. And as we know, the Yanks did end up holding it and would win 6-4 to four, as he would, in fact, earn his first win. And I couldn't be happier for him. As far as the rest of the game, the offense, after being mostly silent for the first half of the game, came alive again, despite a red-hot Stanton getting the day off, which, despite all of us knowing their plans to rest him and judge in desperate attempts to keep them healthy, again, is still very irritating when they're doing extremely well. I reiterated to you before that I'm just not a believer in resting guys who are just doing so unbelievably well, but it is what it is. They still won the game. Glaber drove home the first run on an RBI single in the bottom of the third, then Candelario hit that game-tying solo shot I mentioned to you in the fourth, that dreaded fourth inning for Tyone. <laughs> and then after Tyone left after his five innings of work, that's when Judge hit that RBI double I said before as well. That made it 2-1. to one. Bottom of the sixth, Judge would do some more damage, continuing his great hitting that he's done so far. Two-run single, 4-1. to one. Glaber, two-run single of his own, as he continued his dominance too. Both guys have just looked so much better at the plate lately. 6-1. to one. And then Justin Wilson decided to make things a bit interesting. He allowed two runs in the top of the seventh after starting the inning with two walks. He's had a big problem with walking guys early on here. That made it 6-3. to three. Chad Green, who's been a blessing, pitched the next inning in a third. Had to get the last out of that seventh before Wilson even had a chance to blow a damn five-run lead. And he would do that. When he was still in in the eighth, though, he gave up a solo shot to Goodrum to make it 6-4, to four, but Chad has been so lights out, so I don't mind. He had to give up a run eventually. <laughs> and after yet another untouchable closing appearance by Chap in the ninth, earning his fifth save so far, Yanks won 6-4. to four. And today's game is getting underway about 10 minutes from when I'm recording now. Got my boy Kluber on the mound. I cannot wait to see if he builds on his last good start against Baltimore and see if Higgy being behind the plate yet again for him makes any potential difference and see if the Yanks can both complete the sweep and get themselves to a 500 record again. As far as what's ahead before we end today, after today, tomorrow the Yanks are off and then Tuesday, (laughs) God, I can't wait to see how this goes. (laughs) For the first time since the trash can scandal was exposed in the 2019 offseason, the Astros are returning to the Bronx. (laughs) Tuesday through Thursday, three-game series. And as I said before, I do feel bad for whoever's on this team now that wasn't on the 2017 team. But for those who were, get ready. (laughs) This is the first opportunity that the Yankee fans have to let you know how they feel in person since they couldn't do it last year. And as I said earlier, I hope nobody throws anything on the field or puts anybody in any legitimate danger, but as far as verbally, get ready. (laughs) Tuesdays and Wednesdays games will both be at 7.05 Eastern, and Thursdays will be at 1.05 Eastern. 
And as of now, before today's game here on Sunday, we don't know who's starting those three games yet. So it'd be awfully awkward if Cole started one of those, right? I think at earliest he would be able to start the third one. So we'll see if Garrett Cole will be able to face off against his old team. (laughs) And then on Friday, the Washington Nationals come to town for some interleague play. Friday's game will be at 7.05 Eastern. Saturday, which again is when I'll be recording next week's episode, will be at 1.05 Eastern, and Sunday's game, on Mother's Day, will also be at 1.05 Eastern. And don't forget about that, guys, my announcement for next weekend, since I'm busy next Sunday for Mother's Day. You'll still be getting next week's episode, as per usual, on Sunday, but I'm recording it on Saturday the 8th. So, just a reminder for time purposes. But, as for now, guys... That is all for episode 94 of Yapping Yankees today. Please remember to follow me on all social medias so that you can keep up on the latest having to do with me, the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is Mike Scuds97. Also, guys, subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and also show some love to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, if you got the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 94 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday on Mother's Day, May 9th, when I come at you with episode 95 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and Yankees, stay hot. No mercy against those Astros this week. Enjoy your week, my friends. Take care.